Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, chapter by chapter, out loud. And here it is, the last chapter of Exodus. We're finishing it off today. Um, and, you know, it's an interesting chapter. Like, it happens. We've been talking about the tabernacle for at least 10 chapters, and they they had the instructions. They went about and they actually built the thing, right? We talked about uh, Bezalel and Holiab, right? And they put everything together. Um, but now it's actually, here it comes. The, the big top is is going up, right? We're actually going to set the thing up and actually get it on the move. So, I mean, in many ways, it's a it's a beginning. Like, this is like, a, you know, the beginning of uh, Numbers or, or Leviticus. But it's the last chapter of, of Exodus and moving on to a chapter of the New Testament tomorrow. So, cool day for us also Happy to be bringing back uh, one of our guests returning. We've got Pastor Ingo Dutzman. He is on an island whose name I can never pronounce. We always forget that, but he's in Maine. And uh, and uh, you, you might remember from when I've had him on before, um, he's, he's, an, he's very active for things like advocates for, he advocates for the, the right to life, uh, LCEF, uh, LHM, you know, uh, one of the organizations that supports Thy Strong Word, uh, and Concordia Seminary, so my alma, alma mater. So a lot of, lot of good things, a lot of worthy causes, I would say. Uh, but yeah, welcome back, brother. How are you doing? Joy to be with you. I'll have you know the island Sebaskadegan is so long we don't have room for it, so it's uh, generally called Great Island. Great Island, like so. Hang great on, so, like when you, and if I like mail great. something over there, do I just put Great Island? Will that will it get to you if I just put it that? It will. Or? It will actually. Really? Okay, that <laughs> yes. that works for you. Wow, that's interesting. So, but hang on, Sebaskadegan. Sebaskadegan, yes. Sebas. S e b a s c o d a g n. There you go, Sebastian. If I focus on bass and D, I can. There you go. There you go. Fantastic. But yeah, it's it's been a little bit, but yeah, great time to have you back on and looking at Exodus chapter forty. Yeah, one one of the one of the high points, and you know, I I um, this is a weird one that popped into my head. So many weird references and recollections but one of my favorite scenes in the uh, old disney classic dumbo uh, was when they're putting together the the tent and they actually raise the flag you know and it's like really cool because they're working in the rain and the elephants are helping and all this stuff right but yeah i mean here it is like the thing actually it goes up and we're gonna see the thing so to speak um, as we read the description here indeed well it's amazing to me 40 chapters in Exodus, and 15 of them are dedicated to this thing. Uh, So it's obviously very important. Yes, right. And and we've been breaking that down. We've talked about it, how it's like a a portable Garden of Eden. It's like a preview of heaven on earth. It's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the true uh, temple and tabernacle. Um, It's that which is ultimately continued on in the temple, but then into the heavenly Jerusalem. There's so many different angles here, and it is really as important as, as you were mentioning, the 15-chapter proportion of the 40 suggests. Um, but some neat kind of bookending here, too, just thinking about where we where we started way back when in Exodus 1. Um, and, and I think that, too, it's actually, there, there's maybe more connections than we might anticipate uh, between this and the New Testament book we'll be looking at soon. But without 
jumping the gun on that. Let's uh, let's just turn to the text. Would you start us off with a prayer uh, before we go ahead and read this? Of course. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for your precious and holy word, which leads us to the truth, keeps us in the truth, and ultimately will welcome us to the one who is the truth in heaven. To that end, bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So, um, yeah, so anything before we read it, we'll go ahead and, and do it straight through before we come back around and look at some of the some of the details. We're, we're not going to—I mean, there's a lot of the details of— how it's been built and and the different things that are in there that we've kind of already talked about um, on a couple of different occasions, but especially the actual narrative parts, I think we'll really want to focus on. But 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 yeah, before before we read it though, anything that we should be like, oh yeah, right, remember that, or uh, anything we should be like looking out for as we as we hear this read. Well, I couldn't help but uh, uh, think a little bit about the Jewish calendar. Uh, The Jewish calendar, of course, begins with creation. Well, this is not that month. Uh, This is the month uh, called Nissan, uh, after which I think a Japanese car is is named. But at any rate, uh, Nissan is the time of liberation from Egypt. And uh, therefore, this is the month when that liberation, if you will, is brought sharply into focus. And... uh, and this month, generally in our calendar, falls about October. Therefore, Passover falls on or about March or April. And I wish I could be more specific, but obviously both calendars are movable calendars, made yeah. more difficult by the fact that the Jewish calendar is lunar, <laughs> right. based on uh, 29 and a half days, whereas ours is solar. So the Jews have actually, every 19 years, interposed seven years of an extra lunar month. I'm getting into the weeds, but the point is, Nisan is very important, and it is a connection directly to the liberation from Egypt. Yeah, no, no, that, that's it's good to be thinking about that. I mean, like you, you have, and, and I remember that this was this happens a lot in numbers. This feels very numbersy, uh, this chapter. Uh, but like just the way, like it's it's just being very deliberate about you know on this day of this month, and and that's that. I think that's deliberate, and it's meant to, as you were just kind of breaking down for us. I think that's really meant to be evoking, like, oh hey, like what else happened on this day, right? Like, uh, one, one, of, one of the things I've been really enjoying lately is, is like, I've got all my like photos on the cloud. And so my phone will, will occasionally be like, rediscover this day. And it's cool. Cause it'll go back like in previous years and show me pictures like of this day on previous years. Right. And, and you're kind of like, Oh yeah, this is what we were doing five years ago. This is what we were doing 10 years ago on this day. Right. And, and I, and I think that that's, uh, I mean, yeah, they didn't have smartphones obviously, but they kind of did the same thing where, where they would say like, hey, like the, on this day, right, this is what happened 10 years ago, 40 years ago, 100 years ago. And so, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's important to be making the connections to the first part of Exodus, like you're mentioning. So, uh, But we will make those connections with the help of God. Let's go ahead and read this, though. We've got Exodus chapter 40 here in the English Standard Version, the last chapter of Exodus from the top. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month, 
you shall erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and you shall put in it the ark of the testimony, and you shall screen the ark with the veil, and you shall bring in the table and arrange it, and you shall bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps, and you shall put the golden altar for incense before the ark of the testimony and set up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. You shall set the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. And you shall set up the court all around and hang up the screen for the gate of the court. Then you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that's in it, and consecrate it and all its furniture so that it may become holy. You shall also anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and consecrate the altar so that the altar may become most holy. You shall also anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate it. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and shall wash them with water and put on Aaron the holy garments. And you shall anoint him and consecrate him that he may serve me as priest. You shall bring his sons also and put coats on them and anoint them as you anointed their father that they may serve me as priests. And their anointing shall admit them to a perpetual priesthood throughout their generations. This Moses did. According to all that the Lord had commanded him, so he did. In the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases and set up its frames and put in its poles and raised up its pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark and put the poles on the ark and set the mercy seat above on the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the screen and screened the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil and arranged the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the veil and burned fragrant incense on it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put in place the screen for the door of the tabernacle, and he set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered on it the burnt offering and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing, with which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet. When they went into the tent of meeting, and when they had approached the altar, they washed, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar, and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting, because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. And just like that, uh, you know, it's Leviticus right after that. Um, it, the, the chapter, you know, it it does make sense as I, I think as a as a conclusion, like you were saying. You know, it, it I mean, it actually goes in the beginning, right? And it kind of describes it um, not even just 
by the day and the month. I think it mentions the year, right? It's the second year. Yes. So I think I think it really yeah. makes that first connection. Year to would have like, been the Passover, the the first right. Passover. Right. Exactly. So it's it's one year later, like something. It's you know it's it's New Year's Day and something new is happening, right? Um, you know, yep. it's the, it's the second phase of this whole thing. Like first we we left, and now we're we're making a move towards that land of promise. So I mean, like I think it makes sense as a, as a conclusion. But this chapter, it's interesting not just because it's it's a conclusion or you know kind of a, like a, a bridge to Leviticus and Numbers. But, I mean, it also, like, the structure of it feels a little bit different. Like, I mean, I, isn't it interesting how it keeps repeating, as the Lord commanded Moses? I mean, like, I, I didn't actually count, but I feel like that happened at least, like, five times, was it? Like, um, Or more, yeah. Yeah, or more, or more. And, and so, you know, when, when you, when you kind of see that again and again and again, you sort of get this feeling of, like, okay, this isn't just, like, straight, uh, text, but it, it's sort of like, uh, well, it sort of feels like Genesis one, right? Like, and there was evening and then there was morning the se- the first day, the second day, right? I mean, like it has that kind of feel where it's like, this isn't even just a, a story, but it's like a, a song or something. And, and, you, and you wouldn't think that because it's like describing building and furniture, but that's, that's what it is. I mean, it's the description of, you know, the coming of heaven. I try to put myself into the feet of those who are tasked with making these things, with dear Moses, God bless him, who is listening to these instructions and trying to do them precisely, and I can't help but feel that they all feel unworthy. And there's certainly something to be said about that, because ultimately uh, this symbol the uh, the altar, of course, and the tabernacle, and it's covered with this enormous tent and all of that. I read once somewhere that it may have taken as many as 16,000 people to carry everything. Uh, I don't, I have no idea if that's true or not, but let's face it, you add all this up, the weight of gold alone on and on, it is a huge procession of people carrying all these things to set this thing up. This is no mere uh, tent set up at a circus, which I actually (laughs) saw once live as well as you uh, back in uh, little uh, Wakarusa, Indiana. The circus came to town (laughs) with the elephants walking down the street. It was marvelous. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but again, I think this text leaves you feeling that people feel their inadequacy, and they realize they can never do it perfectly, and ultimately, isn't that what God is leading us to? Because the tabernacle will be no longer one day when David builds the temple. All the implements of the tabernacle go into the temple, but then the temple is destroyed, well, it's destroyed three times, and after the last time, it's never been rebuilt. Uh, since 70 A.D., it's never been rebuilt, except mm-hmm. there is now a new temple, and there is a new reason for us to celebrate, and it's no longer a matter of us keeping all these specific rules about how we build our church building, for example. It has everything to do with the fact that we are the body of Christ, and in Him there is now our hope. Amen. Yeah, I I, I think that's that's right on. That like everything about this um, makes you feel small, and not yes. it's like a bad thing necessarily, but I mean really really a good thing. I mean this is that you know 
be still and know that I am God, right? Like we, we, we feel small and, and we just, I mean, we, we take comfort in the fact that God is so big. And, and by having this, this big tabernacle, right? And uh, we talked about that. I think, I mean, I think it's supposed to be like a hundred cubits in like one direction or something like that. You know, it's like you, you think of like a, a football field, right? You, you go out into like a football field, you know, hundred yards, right? And, and you, you, when you're down there and you look out like just across the whole thing in the stadium, like you feel, you feel tiny when you're down there. Uh, or, or like when you were saying, you, you see the circus or you, like if you see like the, the big, uh, you know, Thanksgiving parade in New York City, you see all that, these, this big stuff, right? These crowds and you feel small in those moments. And I think that, yeah, like to carry all this, to erect all this, have this all set up, you have the cloud that comes, you feel tiny in the midst of all this. And that that's not a bad thing. And given the way and manner in which God is present by cloud and fire, uh, none of the three million or so people who are gathered around it uh, will not be able to see the presence of the Lord. That's right. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, that really, that really is something. The the way that well, we're we're going to spend we're going to leave some time to talk about that because that is really interesting at the end how it says that Moses couldn't enter the tabernacle. I mean. I, I'm I'm kind of surprised that like Paul didn't like write a whole letter based on just that comment or something, right? Uh, <laughs> but it's uh, I, I mean, yeah, we can make some connections to Hebrews, I think. But yeah, de- definitely some 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 excellent stuff here. Um, but let, let's let's go ahead and take it from the top and kind of look at some of these details here. So, um, as you were saying, you know, verse verse one, verse two, um, y- you have the mention of the day. And it's interesting because we know from the previous chapter, um, all the work's already been done, right? Like, they, they yeah, have the stuff. Correct. Aholiab and uh, Bezalel, they, they've put it all together. They they have—I um, mean, not, not just they themselves, but, you know, like, they oversaw it, right? And, and everything, um, including the priest's garments back in chapter 39, uh, all of that's—it's all ready to go, but God's saying, okay, this is when you're actually going to put it into service and— consecrate it. So, yeah, what's the significance of waiting for it? Well, one of the things that's interesting me right off the bat is where did they get all the stuff? And that brings you back to the fact that they essentially plundered Egypt. The Egyptians were so glad to get rid of them, they gave them their jewelry and their and their fine cloth and on and on, and they had all these things. So, right. I mean, that's that's an amazing thing to me as well. That's right. So, I mean, just just looking at the splendor of the whole thing and thinking about the time, yeah, they both make the connections to that, um, you know, exodus that, that happened uh, a year ago, right? That it was, um, the ESV is helpful there, like it's got a little footnote on first day. Correct. Where it says there, like in chapter 12, um, you know, this month shall be, for you, the beginning of months shall be the first month of the year for you. In chapter 13 today, in the month of Abib, you're going out. So, yeah, making making that connection. And so God's not just like, okay, whenever, you know, whenever you guys finish, go ahead and just set it up. No. Uh, for something well, like this. Well, and also he's saying do it on the first day because I yeah. would presume the 10th is going to be the Passover, right? So they have nine days to get it done. Well, right, and I think, you know, so this is this is making me wonder. I, I feel like this is something that 
came up in numbers um that i'm trying to i'm trying to remember like where this actually because uh, in numbers you have the description of like a kind of elaborate ceremony of, of consecration and, and so you, you get the idea like you were you're kind of just getting at that these things took some time like we read in an earlier chapter already that just the consecration of the priests that that was going to be a seven day thing right yeah. so all of these yeah. things are going to take time we've talked about how ancient ceremonies like for instance weddings right like that was not a one day thing um of course these days um they're not one day either because it's like you know you've got <laughs> you've got like the re the rehearsal and the rehearsal dinner and you've got like different parties for like you know the the bride side and the groom side and these days i feel like i've heard that there's like multiples you know like so i mean it's just it just feels like you're just uh it's like going on for like a year or something but 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 no like in the ancient context these big ceremonies they'd be going on for i mean you know like a, like a whole week or something like that so right like it, yeah, it begins on day the, one uh changing of the water into wine for example yeah that's uh, right they were at it for some days before they ran out of the original wine right right you're, so you kind of sympathize with how they can run out of wine when you're trying to provide wine for a crowd of guests <laughs> for multiple days so yeah this isn't just you know kind of like you know it's a holiday this is like tabernacle fast you know like it's like you know and so it's uh, going on for all this time but so, yeah, so for, um, you know, in, in numbers too, like you just have these descriptions of these um, really elaborate consecration ceremonies where each tribe has a special delegate that would present their gifts of, of gold and silver. I mean, I mean, even more than already has been used in the construction of the tabernacle. We, we saw that it's like 160 million in gold or something like that um, used in the, just the construction. But they're going to present gifts then, um, you know, for days so yeah it, it's gonna take some time but by starting in the first month like all this is, is going on um lining up with with the exodus saying like you know hey this this is why i brought you guys out for remember what we remember what we told pharaoh let my people uh get, give us leave to go worship our god in the wilderness hey guys that's what we're doing <laughs> I mean, it's that's a year later we're but we're doing it exactly right yep yeah yep. So, so you have you have that that side to it, and then there's the description, just kind of everything in three through, um, like uh, thereabouts, like eight, where it's just kind of like okay, go and actually set up the things. So they, they've been built, but now we're actually putting everything in its place, um, and, and it's just kind of for me, I was just kind of like, oh right, that, that's kind of relative position of everything. Like any any thoughts there on just kind of how everything's laid out. Well, just that uh, the precision here is dictated by God himself. Yeah. It's not, uh, well, Moses, you've got these things, so just set it any way you think best. No, God tells him exactly how he wants it done. And again, to me, the overarching thing here is that God is setting up standards, which in the end cannot be met by us because he knows that we are bound to fail. We've already, of course, seen the, the golden calf and that debacle, uh, the fact that the first time God provides the tablets and the writing on them, uh, those are broken by Moses. And then later, uh, God tells Moses to carve 
the tablets to literally bring them up the mountain with him, and then God writes the commandments for the second time. Those, of course, it's that set that's going into this thing, but everything has enormous precision. God is concerned that everything is done just right, and ultimately it will not be sufficient because the blood of the Lamb on the altar will be but a symbol of the blood of the Lamb yet to come. And, and we want to unpack that idea certainly a lot more, but we're at our break, so everybody hang on. We're looking at the last chapter of Exodus, chapter 40, on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. love our neighbor on the internet? Why are the creeds so important? What does it mean to practice Christian hospitality? Questions like these are answered in every edition of The Lutheran Witness, the monthly magazine of the LCMS. The Lutheran Witness can help you interpret the world from a Lutheran Christian perspective by providing reliable, biblical reflections on the issues that you care about the most. Get your free issue at cph.org witness. That's cph.org witness. On this Tuesday, August 4th, 2020, KFUO Radio rejoices with our day sponsor, Terry Hyde of Chestermere, Alberta, Canada, as he celebrates the life of his wife, Sheila Hyde. Terry made a gift to KFUO in honor of his beloved wife, Sheila, and in thanksgiving to the Lord for the blessing that she has been throughout their years together. Sheila was called home to the Lord on August 4th, 2018. Thank you, Terry Hyde, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsor. Our listeners and supporters are talking about Worldwide KFUO. Hello, I just want to thank KFUO for their music and the scripture reading. Just listening to KFUO brings joy and peace and hope. God bless you all. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at the last chapter of Exodus, chapter 40. Earlier, we read through the chapter, and now we're starting to go through things in detail. Uh, we're definitely going to want to spend a good chunk of time talking about what we got at the end, about the presence of God actually filling the tabernacle, and not just filling it, but filling it so that Moses can't even go in. So we're, we're getting there. Uh, right now, though, we're just talking about, you know, isn't it interesting? And they're setting it up. On the first day of the first month, you know, the same time of the year when they actually left Egypt. That's what we're talking about today with our guest, Pastor Ingo Dutzman. He's from—I'm going to say it right this time. Well, he's from the Great Island. See, there, there's my there's my escape rope, right? Like if there it's, you go. If I if I just can't say he's from the Great Island. Um, Sebastic Deegan, Sebastic Deegan, Deegan, right? Sebastic Deegan uh, Island in Maine. And yeah, we're looking here at this chapter. There's a lot of opportunity, I think, for questions. If you're listening live, give us a call, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo 
at kfuo.org or hop on the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. And uh, yeah, earlier we were mentioning, you know, all the things, brother, that you that you do and that you support, um, including uh, LHM, you know, uh, the Lutheran Heritage, or I'm sorry, you said LHM, so that's Lutheran Hour Ministries, but there's Lutheran another Hour one. Ministries, yes. Yeah, there's another, if we give, if we don't get your LH uh, acronyms all mixed up, there's LHM, and then there's LHF, <laughs> and LHF, Lutheran Heritage Foundation, thank you guys for your support of Thy Strong Word, their website, lhfmissions.org. Uh, but yes, you know, LHF and LHM, all <laughs> very good things, and, and you'll you'll hear about them both on, on KFUO a fair bit, right? <laughs> so, um, Other than acronyms, I worked for the Army once, and we had 22 volumes of an acronyms. Lord have mercy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, Lord have mercy. There, 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 there's another one, right? Lord have mercy, L-L-H-M, right? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so looking at Exodus 40 here, uh, yeah, we were, we were, we were just saying, you know, yeah, it, it's all the instructions are very exact, right? Like in, in the emphasis again and again, it's as the Lord had commanded Moses, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And I think that's an interesting comment that you were making that, I, I mean, that one of the effects of that rhetorically can be, wow, you know, like there's all these things that God commanded Moses and is that how we're living today, really? Like, are, are we, you know, it's like he, it was everything by the book. That's kind of the picture. Um, is, is that what we're doing today? And, and, and I think, actually, th- there's a little bit of that deliberately. Like, in Numbers, we saw this, actually, again and again, that um, you, you get into Numbers, and you get this refrain. It's something along the lines of, like, and everything that Moses commanded, so the people did, right? And that happens, like, again and again and again. Um, which, uh, which I think just kind of has that effect of saying, you know, for these later generations of Israelites, hey, guys, like, that's how God meant it to be, us listening to all the things that Moses commanded. Don't go and just, you know, forget all that stuff and put it aside and, and act like, oh, well, you know, that was a long time ago for the Israelites. And, and you know, I, I guess, you know, I, I've been thinking about that a lot lately since we talked about the Ten Commandments, and I guess— I don't know. I just, I'm really feeling myself very leery these days of talking like, oh, well, that's what God said for the Israelites. And then I'm like thinking to myself, well, who are we if we're not the Israelites, right? Like, who are we if we're not the people of God? Who is Jesus Christ if he is not a son of Israel? You know, you know, I mean, like, I really am leery about saying like that all this stuff is for some other group of people. Yeah, perhaps an important distinction, though, is uh, when God makes the covenant with Abraham, it's unilateral. I will do this, That's and right. he doesn't say, if you do that. But right. here, this is now a bilateral covenant. I will do this if you do that. And if anything, the building of the tabernacle is kind of the epitome of the law laid down for the Israelites to follow. When they're asked, will you do this? They say, yes, we will do this. And time and again, they fall away to the point where even Moses says they are a stiff-necked people. Well, I'm a stiff-necked person, too, because... You know, it's only by the righteousness of Christ that I have any hope at all. But uh, we fall short. And in all of this preparation, with all of its precision, we we recognize that that bilateral covenant, uh, thank God, it's gone back to unilateral, where Jesus declares, 
um, that uh, he is the way, the truth, and life. Yeah. No one comes to the Father but by him. And it's not by our works. It's not by our building of tabernacles. Yeah. It's not by the precision of our exact worship. It is by, well, even as David said, uh, you know, burnt oxen on thine altar thou wouldst not have, but a pure and contrite heart, O Lord. Well, uh, in, see, in yeah, that's, and that's an important, that's an important verse that I, I think you're bringing up that, that I think even David recognized that even then it was not as if it was the kind of, uh, it's not bilateral in the sense of the pagans where it's kind of like, well, you scratch my back and I scratch yours, right? Where like, well, they feed the God and they water the God, like he's some kind of chia pet there. <laughs> no. And, and, and like, yeah, if you do that stuff, that he's happy. Obviously. Right, right. You know, and so even David recognized that in, in those verses, I think. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right that there's, you, you see, you, you can say bilateral in the sense of like, there's something for them to do. Right. But, um, but you're right though. Like really the, the, the heart of the covenant is, is unilateral uh, before and after. And, and really, I think deep down consistently throughout, I mean, even, you know, uh, I, I mean, what God commands Christians to do things, right. That doesn't, that doesn't mean sure. that suddenly things are, are bilateral. I mean, he commanded Abraham to circumcise. That didn't right. mean it was the law essentially is not abrogated, but yeah. we keep it as a way of saying essentially, right. thank you, Lord. Plus, we That's discover right. people who keep the law end up doing better. You can prove it sociologically and and emotionally and and psychologically that people who have a purpose in life guided by yeah. God tend to have happier and more productive lives. Yeah, well, and, and and that's a really that's a really good uh, actually a little insight connection to make because you know law we associate kind of as like a bad word right and purpose we associate we think oh that's a, that's a good word right like we, we we like oh well we don't like being legalistic but we think about like oh well purpose yeah we want purpose but I mean that's kind of like having your cake and eating it too because purpose is really another name for the law right like if you, if you have if, if you if there is a law if God has designed things point. a certain way that that you have a purpose. Right, I mean that's that's how it works. If if there isn't any law, if there isn't any design, then there is no purpose, and it's just kind of it is what it is, just because I don't know it happened on accident or something like that. So, so yeah, I think that when you have all this law, you always got to remember what what's what's the first thing that that came out of God's mouth when He was giving those uh, those two tablets. The, the very first thing was, "I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of the land of Egypt where you lived as slaves." You know, I, I mean, it's a word of gospel, and and I think that's I think that's there, and and uh, even it's true. Uh, I think you're 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 really you're you're right that like all this exactitude is just a reminder. Hey guys, your sin is a really serious business, and these are the links we have to go to uh, to deal with it, right? So I, th I think that's totally one side of it. I think you're kind of getting at that, but I, th I think also the idea is like, hey, look, all this is so full of meaning. And it's so beautiful and it's so perfect, um, you know, at least as, as it can be, because it, this is where God's going to show up. You know, we, we can talk about furniture because this is going to be God's living room in a second. That's, and that's gospel. Yeah. 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 And so, of course, there will come a day when there is a, ultimately a new heaven and a new earth. That's right. And uh, this is also, if you will, a type of that which is to come. That's right. That's right. And so, so it's a picture of something, something good and, and gracious in that respect. So, uh, so yeah. So, so, so then in, in verse nine, you get the 
the instruction not just merely to set things up, but to consecrate these things. And so I had a chance over the break to, to look up in my notes, and it was, yeah, it was back in Numbers chapter 7, right? That's when you had, um, like, a very full description of the consecration of the of the tabernacle. So uh, Numbers and Exodus actually end up overlapping. It's not like everything is, is totally sequential. Numbers gets you some of this right, stuff in right. detail. And so it's in Numbers chapter 7 that you get all this really unpacked and it's it's tremendous like they're bringing um the the offerings on on wagons you've got you know gold and and silver and like on the first day you've got uh from the tribe of judah on the second day you've got from the the tribe of uh issachar right and like and they just they're going through um one by one and so i mean i think the 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 effect is like you get through like you know all all 12 tribes and, um, you know, when we're kind of like done with all this celebrating day by day, um, it's, it's going to be right about time to get to the 14th day of the first month. Um, and we're thinking now Passover. Right. And none of this happens quickly. It makes me think of how some yearn for church services to be shorter because, oh my <laughs> gosh, it ran an hour and 10 minutes. Well, <laughs> hour and 10 minutes, you're barely getting started. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it can consider the, the, the 12, the 12 day celebration. Um, actually, I mean, I'm reminded like, you know, in some churches, well, I mean, besides in some churches, how the services are much longer than an hour and 10 minutes, but, um, how uh, I, I recall there's, I think my, it's my in-laws, um, my, my wife's parents, and their church at the beginning, and it's kind of, it's, I think they're kind of basing it on this. At the beginning of the new year, I think they go to church every day for the first, I forget if it's the first seven or the first 12 days, um, and it's, it's kind of like their big push. Um, Sounds like an Orthodox church. Well, <laughs> it's actually a Pentecostal church. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, my, my parents, my in-laws are Orthodox, yeah. and yeah. they also have various times when church attendance is yeah. uh, uh, really a big part of their life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that, that I mean, you're, it's interesting to kind of see, actually, as far-flung a difference as there is between the Orthodox and Pentecostal strands of the Christian tradition, that, I mean, there there is some significant overlap here, because, I mean, it goes back to the Old Testament, that there are these kind of multi-day celebrations, right, um, that happen throughout the year. And and, and it's and, and why is it? Because it's this consecration, right? And, and that idea of making something holy, setting something aside— you go and you, you you take time because it is special, because it is different, because it's important, right? Um, if something is just kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know, we can, you know, we can do it, we can not do it, then okay, you can you can do it in five minutes. You you can do it um, just whenever, right? Whenever you have a free chance. But but these sorts of things, uh, they're they're different, and I and I think what that shows is is again in connection to the Exodus. Uh, not just kind of like, oh, this is like, it's so important, so you better do this. But but like, I mean, this is the reason why we're out here, guys. I mean, if it hadn't been for God giving us the exodus, we couldn't be worshiping him right now. I mean, like, this is so important because this constitutes our our creation as a people. You know, this is this is going back to, um, I mean, this is like the, the, the multi-day birthday celebration for a nation, for the people of God. 
That's a nice way to put it, birth of a nation. In, yeah. in essence, that's what this is. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So, so, well, so I, I was also thinking as you were speaking, the, yeah. uh, when we uh, think of uh, our, shall we say, labors for the Lord, uh, yeah. we think of the time we give and we, quote, make time for church that's and right. related activities, when in essence what we're simply doing is setting aside time thankfully for the fact that God gives us his time, that God yeah. gives us his grace. Because if he hadn't been the, uh, the author and perfecter of our faith in the first place, w- we wouldn't even have the opportunity to worship him and with the hope of a life that is eternal. That's really well said. I mean, the only one who actually makes time, like creates time, is God. I mean, he, he's the one who gives it to us. I mean, you're, you're, that's that's really it's very insightful because we when when we say make time, we it kind of presupposes that like we 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 sort of have a certain chunk of time and it belongs to us, right? And uh, exactly. like, well, I can like squeeze it in, right? But it's like, yeah. hang on a yeah, second. Yeah. Your next, your next breath isn't guaranteed. Your next breath comes from the hand of God. I mean, anytime we talk about making time, it, it's God that gives it to us. That's that's well said. Well, and I think these, these the multi day, yeah, and, the, and the, I think these multi day celebrations remind us of that. In, but uh, uh, a dear member of a former parish of mine, who I've known since she was three, was yeah. suddenly found dead on uh, Saturday morning. And oh, uh, goodness, at age 32, you know, that comes as quite a shock to all of us, and yeah. especially to her dear parents. So I think we should not take things for granted. We are yeah. to uh, thank the Lord daily for what he gives us, to remember his amazing sacrifices for us. And if anything, the tabernacle is a visible symbol of God's having done the sacrifice, if you will, in Egypt so that his people could be set free. Well, and there's a know, greater sacrifice that is to come on right. a uh, little mountain called Golgotha. That, that, that's, that's right. And, and that's, um, you know, I appreciate you, you sharing that uh, with us because, yeah, I think in those moments that we all have a moment where we stop and we reflect and it's a moment of being more keenly aware of our mortality, but, uh, but on the on kind of more positive side, just thinking about how precious this time is how precious the connections that we have in life are. And, you know, it just, it, it happens, right? You, you're there with all your family members, or all your church members. And you're like, you know, I really wish that we'd see each other more often than just the weddings and the funerals. Right. <laughs> um, you bet. You bet. Especially not just and, the funerals. And how do I, even as a pastor and having yeah. been in this situation before, yeah. uh, how do I begin to really empathize when I have, I'm blessed with children who are alive and well, I can't yeah. begin to fathom what that feels like. And then if you push that concept a bit further, how, how about people who are separated from their relationship with God, who yeah. have given up on their faithfulness, who no longer want or think they don't want the promises that God assures us of? I mean, is there anyone, any pagan, who would have seen even the tabernacle and said, oh, that's nothing? And is there anyone who's going to see Jesus descending on the clouds one day and say, oh, no big deal? Everybody will know who that is. 
which and here we are in the only religion in the world which wants to do all it can all that it can possibly do that everyone would come to know the lord jesus that at the name of jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess a- a- amen and well i mean like you're unpacking some some deep stuff there and i think that one of the things that you know prepares us for these things that are too great to imagine and for these moments in life that are just i mean the highest of highs and the lowest of lows are these are these celebrations and these holidays right that like when we when we see each other um, and gather together during these moments when it's not like uh necessarily a crisis or a funeral um it's when we have these moments where we have it we take the time for like a long celebration and ritual um where where we can be reminded of the precious gift of time and we can feel that you know outside of you know a, a death in the family you know I, I think that these are the sorts of things that that help put those pieces together and and kind of we we kind of it, it's not just like there's normal life and then there's kind of wedding and funeral life right like it's right. It, these these holidays these these celebrations and then spending this time and the ritual that happens constantly throughout the year throughout the day even it's what kind of connects it all together and we see all of it as like what you were saying like as a as a part of really this preparation for the coming of the lord jesus so we're we're very much then in the same boat as you bet. and the preparation the, for us that right. connects us to this chapter uh is easter because again yeah. easter and passover are very much connected yeah. again right. given the two different calendars but sometimes they're even directly connected um to the exact day and isn't it precious that easter where commercialism has tried but not quite succeeded as much as with christmas yeah. where easter is a time when families still gather and there is a sense that we're here for more than chocolate and bunnies and flowers we're here to worship the lord and to That's thank right. him for his precious gifts to us yeah amen amen i'm already looking forward to easter um especially especially because this last easter didn't didn't quite go the way i thought it would but oh my god well we'll, (laughs) another time another time we uh, the the clock (laughs) speaking of time right (laughs) let's um let's go on ahead so so you have um we talked about a little bit um again and again in verse 16 you have it brought up this moses did according to all that the lord commanded him so he did this refrain kind of happens again and again and 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 i feel like for, for me the big thing of having this this repetition is, is it feels like it feels like creation, right? It's 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 his birth of a nation, it's his birth of a people, it's his God creating a people. I mean, and you think about that, how the description of the the world in Genesis one, right? That it was like a, a, a void emptiness or something like that, um, yeah. or or, or kind of like a like a oh, barren oh, nothingness. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> Th- those are words that are used for the wilderness. At times, right, and so you, you have you have like God uh, creating out of a wilderness, and like, well, this is what He's doing here, right? He's He's there; they are in the wilderness, and He's making a people out of the midst of it, out of the midst of the waters of of the Red Sea. So uh, it, this is like this this creation language, and then so when when you get there uh, towards towards the end, this is what I want. We, we let's just make sure we have some good time to talk about this in verse thirty four. You know, it says, you know, in the preceding verse, uh, Moses finished the work. 
Yeah, I think I think this is this is very Genesis like again. You know, like God finished his work. And what did God do when he finished? Well, he rested on the seventh day and made it holy. That is another word for yes. consecrated. And on that seventh day, God rested on it, and Moses couldn't enter. Yeah. See, so so that's that's I think what what's really I, I I'm I feel like there's so many different directions you could go on that. So if there is a creation parallel, right? And so th- this is kind of building up to. Um, you know, we, there's this, this work of creation, right? Like it is almost like seven day, like uh, six days of, of tabernacle creation, right? Like you can, you could almost correlate them, right? Like day one, two, three, four, five, six. And you could go like, you know, uh, Ark of the Covenant, lampstand, uh, you know, altar. I've, that's not something I've tried, but like, I think you could kind of do that in a, maybe in a, even in a somewhat convincing way. But like, so then you get to day seven, right? And this is verse 34. So now it's time for God to bless this and to consecrate this and to be present, to enjoy this. And in this picture of what looks like the Garden of Eden, in some respects, um, Moses can't go in. And do we take that as a sign of remembering how, hey, you know, Adam and Eve were banished from the Garden of exactly. Eden. Uh, th- they couldn't I go mean, in. That's the, the, the way I, yeah. to me, that symbol yeah. speaks to me. Uh, it, yeah. it speaks to me. Even well, Moses, uh, yeah. arguably the greatest person who ever lived in the Old Testament, and I think there's general agreement about that uh, among not only uh, Jews and Christians, I think even Muslims hold Moses in high regard. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, he's not able to go in. And yet, yeah. you and I are assured there will be a time when we are able to go in, and that's purely because of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, who then is ultimately the blood by which we are saved, whereas the blood of the lamb and the bull on the altar is a symbol of the salvation that is yet to come. Yeah, and, and you know, that's that's just really interesting, and... um Okay, so here's my second movie reference. For some reason, uh, my wife and I were finished. Wa- we finished watching. Um, uh, what was it? It was. Uh, I mean, the first Indiana Jones movie with Harrison Ford, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and oh, yeah, um, yeah. which is just That's fantastic and, and, and classic. And <laughs> I, I was. I've been really struck by all the parallels between that and Star Wars. It's really weird. But like that, another day. But um, but it's interesting. At the end, they, they get into the the presence of the Ark of the Covenant, and. Indy has the wherewithal, and I'm just thinking to myself, how does he know this? He tells Marion, don't look. No matter what you do, don't look. Close your eyes. And, and I'm thinking to myself, how does he know that? Right? Like, how did, how did he know um, that, like, if, if they close their eyes, they'd be okay? And, and, well, it turns out that Indiana Jones was actually a little bit of a biblical scholar. And, yeah. uh, you know, may, maybe tuned into, uh, you know, Thy Strong Word back, back there in the yeah. 70s or the 80s, right? Or I guess in the movies that was— Anyways, um, but it says there, right, like uh, back in uh, the earlier parts of Exodus that we read, that Moses could not look at the face of God, because if he did, he would die. I mean, it's the same thing was said to Jacob. And so there, there is this right. idea that if the glory of God is there, you can't also be there. Maybe you can get a view of like the, the backside of it. Maybe like Jacob, you can be in front of it like at night when you can't see it clearly, but man, if it's there and it's just unadulterated, immediate glory, you better not enter because you will die. 
if you were to be in the immediate presence of God as a sinner. I also think of the great line, and uh, you mentioned Star Wars. I can't help but immediately it came to me when Obi-Wan Kenobi is about to be cut down, and he says to uh, Darth Vader, you cut me down, Darth, and I shall become more powerful than ever before. Yeah. Look, our Lord Jesus was cut down, if you will, hoisted on on a tree, and he has become more powerful than ever before. Wow. I don't think I've ever compared the Lord Jesus to Obi-Wan Kenobi, but maybe I should. That was pretty awesome right there. Um, yeah, no, well, you know, there's 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 something to this, right? That like here is this presence of God and, and, and Moses can't enter. And this is a problem, right? Like if you're if you're very best, right, Moses, um, you know, remember he was the one that God offered, hey, you know what, Moses, forget them. I'll blow them up. I'll take you, I'll give you children. And we'll make a new people, right? I mean, like, in, in this moment, like we saw, like, you know, Moses is the closest Israel could come at this point to the Son of God. And and yet he can't enter. But yet, as you were just getting us to, this is where in Hebrews it talks about that we do, do actually have a high priest who enters into the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly tabernacle, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can actually go and make atonement and be in the presence of God exactly because of what you just said. Because he selflessly sacrificed himself, was raised up and ascended. He is the one who can do that. And and so I mean I think I think that this this last chapter here of Exodus, again for us as Christians, is really pointing us forward to Easter and to the ascension ascension that, you know, we do have someone greater than Moses who can be in God's presence and in him we can And the tabernacle is a shadow of what is to come. And uh, we know what that shadow is now, and it's real for us. That's right. Amen. Brother, so good to have you back on and to have a conversation again. Uh, Looking forward to to having you on again soon. God God bless you and everyone up there in Sebaskadegan. Look at you. Look at you. (laughs) In the town of Harpswell, don't the angels play their harps? Well, <laughs> very, very good. Thank you, brother. Everybody, that was Pastor Ingo Dutzman in, uh, in Great Island, Maine. Uh, we're moving on to the New Testament. It's First Corinthians. Till then, I'm Pastor H.S. Espinosa. Peace. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.